your Super Bowl. Am I right? Right on. So, if you haven't already, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. If you have a pew Bible, that'll be on page 109 or 1009. We'll be picking up the passage in verse 27 in chapter 11, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 12. So we have a lot of verses to cover, so let's get started. When I mention the topic of authority, or the thought of someone having authority over you, what comes to mind? Do you bristle a little bit? Is there a little bit of pushback? Who would have a problem with exercised authority? Well, let's take a shot in the dark. What about kids? That's, that's you know, parents all know this. Teenagers is another one. What about women? What about men? What about spouses? What about singles who love their independence? That basically sounds like all of us. So in order to deal with authority in our lives, we have to discern what and whose authority we're talking about. So whose authority? Well, there are three types of authority. Governmental, parental, and the church exercises authority over its members. So what kind of authority are we talking about? I know we can all think of good or bad experiences with authority. People or institutions taking advantage of their authority, exacting punishment or heavy burdens, heavy-handedness in actions or words, put upon endless rules to burden. But there are also people in authority that are protective and gentle, that you can rest in. They provide a sense of calm. They offer wisdom, guidance, and direction. But no matter what type of earthly authority you experience in your life, they will let you down and disappoint because they're human and our expectations of them can be unrealistic. Thankfully for us as Christians, we have the blessing of looking to Jesus as our greatest authority. So the title of this message is Jesus, Our Greatest Authority. We're going to look at five expressions of Jesus' authority tonight. So five expressions of Jesus' authority. That will challenge your view of his role in your life. So let's review. Let's catch up. So from last time, Jesus has come into Jerusalem and in the temple on Monday. Triumphal entry. On Tuesday, he cleanses the temple turns over the tables, and chases out the money changers. Now we pick up the story Wednesday morning. Jesus and the disciples are going back to the temple where yesterday he overturned the tables and cleared out the money changers. From the time Jesus arrives in the temple, the members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious authorities, are in a panic. They continually confront Jesus to try to trap him in his teaching. They want to arrest and kill him because of his influence that is slowly eroding away their control and influence over the people. So as we go over these five expressions, what I want you to do is I want you to pick out one or two nuggets from each expression that you can focus on. So let's start with the first expression of Jesus' authority. Jesus has authority of God and being God's son. So this is verses uh, chapter 11, 27 through chapter 12, verse 12. But we're going to pick it up in verse 28. And he began saying to him, 
And they began saying to them, the uh, Sanhedrin, the chief priests and the scribes, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? Now the Jewish leaders' confrontation of Jesus' so-called authority of doing these things, what are these things? These things are healings, him cleaning out the temple yesterday, um, his teaching comes as authoritative. Well, the Greek word that's used for authority here is ex excusia, which means the power to do as one pleases or to control or to sway. Well, the Jewish leaders are saying, hey, we're the ones with the authority. We're the ones that control or have the power to sway. What are you doing? Not this Jesus. But Jesus has already told them where he gets his authority, but they will not listen. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. In John 8, 28, he says, I do nothing on my own initiative, but speak these things as the father has taught me. Now, Jesus is fed up with religious authorities. Their willful blindness, refusing to see the truth in front of them. And the truth is his miracles, the casting out demons, the healings, his teaching, all of this shouts his divinity. So he confronts the Jewish leaders with a question on the ministry of the baptism of John. Was it from heaven, God, or is it from man? So John was a prophet sent by God to prepare people's hearts for Jesus through the baptism of repentance. Well, it just happens the Jewish leaders didn't answer him. They can't admit that John's authority is of God because that would mean Jesus is also God. So Jesus knows their hard hearts and shuts them down and doesn't answer their question. Now we go into the parable of the evil vineyard renters. And Jesus says why he taught the religious leaders in parables was to make a point. So right now what he's done is he's called out the Jewish leaders and now he's going into a parable to kind of drive that knife into the Sanhedrin a little bit more, just to do another dig to make his point. And we're going to go to Matthew 13, 14 through 15 of why Jesus taught those people in parables. He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables, meaning the religious leaders, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. What a gracious and loving God we have. So we don't have time to go through all the parable, but in a nutshell, this is it. The vineyard was the nation of Israel, the landowner was God, the servants were the prophets, the beloved son was Jesus Christ, and the other tenants were the Gentiles. So the Jewish leaders had led the people away from God with their traditions and laws, and they don't want to hear anything about God or from God. But God graciously sends prophets with messages of repentance to turn back to him. The Jewish leaders wounded and killed the prophets and killed the beloved son, Jesus, two days later on Friday. So let's look at verses 10 and 11 of chapter 12. So 10 and 11 says, 
Jesus says at the end of the parable, have you not even read this scripture? A stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. So Jesus is the stone that was rejected and has become the chief cornerstone of his church, those of who have faith and believe. So what do we see? We see that Jesus is the Son of God with all authority of God that is taking the place of the religious leaders' traditions. Jesus was showing there is a transition taking place between the Old Testament sacrifices and the gospel of repentance and faith. But people have a stubborn will and a hard heart that keeps them away from the truth and the authority of Jesus. So let's understand, Jesus is the true authority over empty religious traditions. There are people who refuse to admit or come to Jesus for who he is because of their long-held beliefs. So what do we do? Have you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or have you rejected him like the Jewish leadership? You need to confess your sins. Accept Christ as the only one who can save you from the penalty of your sins. Are you a believer? Is there anything in your life that is competing with your devotion to Jesus? Are you obeying Jesus? Are you like the bad tenants rejecting his word and living a life of disobedience? Is anything leading your heart away from true devotion to Jesus? If there is, you need to study God's word, pray for guidance, seeking his will for your life. Reach out to another Christian brother or sister to come alongside to encourage you with his word. Then start living out your faith every day. Okay, so that's the first expression. Let's go into the second expression of Jesus' authority. Jesus has authority beyond government. Beyond government. This is verses 13 through 17. So now the Pharisees and the Herodians try to trap him with another question about government authority. Well, the Herodians uh, follow Herod, King Herod, and what they do is they're tied into the Roman government. So the Pharisees thought, okay, we're going to be the, bring the Herodians in with us because we're going to ask them about the government and who are you going to pay? Are you going to pay taxes or not? So if Jesus says, you know what, I'm not going to pay taxes, the Herodians are there to go back and tell the message to the Roman government who will in turn come back and arrest Jesus. Well, first they come with an, with an insincerity and a fake respect. And Jesus knows this in their hypocrisy. Look at verse 14. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and do not care what anyone thinks, for you are not partial to anyone, but you teach the way of God in truth. Well, Jesus mentioned this in Mark 7 when he said, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So in verse 15, they're asking him, do they pay taxes or not? So Jesus asks for a denarius, which is a Roman coin. And he asks whose image is on it. And they say, the emperor, Caesar Tiberius. And now all he says is, give to the government what is owed to them. But give to God your lives because you are made in God's image. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. So we see that God ordained civil authority 
We are made in God's image. And we need to understand that we need to come under the protection of the government as he has created it for us, to live quiet and peaceable lives, but also to come under the authority of Jesus where you will find rest. So what do we do? We obey the government. Your Lord Jesus commands it. Unless it goes God's commands, as Peter said in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man. But more important than that is focus your attention vertically on Jesus, not on the horizontal of the world. He is your greatest authority. Do not be swayed by the world and its troubles. Do not be anxious and look around you for answers. Look up. Focus on what is most important. Jesus is sovereign whether you believe it or not. Rest in him. Give to God the things that are God's. You are to love him, to worship him, to listen to him, to honor him, to give him your life. Okay, so the Sadducees, the Pharisees are done. Now comes the Sadducees and the scribes. So this is the third expression of Jesus' authority. So Jesus has the authority over the law of Moses. Over the law of Moses. So we're going to see this in verses 18 through 34. So now the Sadducees and scribes come up to Jesus to try to trap him. They bring up the law of Moses as their authority to the resurrection of the greatest commandment. They viewed Jesus' teaching as an attack against their Mosaic law. But Jesus told him here earlier again in his ministry, Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So we begin with the Sadducees question on the resurrection, which is really kind of disingenuous because they don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead or angels. So they bring up the law of the Leverite marriage, Leverite marriage in Deuteronomy 25, which God created to ensure family lineage would continue. But Jesus also refers to the book of Moses in a correct interpretation. Verse 26. So in verse 26 he says, But regarding the fact that the dead rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God says, I am, not I was. This is an ongoing eternal relationship that God has Jesus pointing out that there is eternal life. So the scribes have been raised to learn scripture and have been ordained to teach the Mosaic law. Yet they do not understand the scripture or the power of God because they are mistaken with their biased views and own beliefs. So in verse 28 through 34, a scribe comes overhearing what he's talking about, what Jesus is talking about, and the scribe asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. So this scribe is a little different. He seems like he is a little bit more sincere with Jesus, like he's wanting to maybe to learn or want a true answer. So he's asking what the greatest commandment is. So the Mosaic law had grown from 10 commandments to 613 commandments. And the beautiful thing about this is Jesus sums up the 613 commandments into two. Love God, and love your neighbor. That's verses 30 through 31. But the scribe agreed, and he added verse 33. Reading 33, he says, to want, he says, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus responds in 34, you are not far from the kingdom of God. 
So Jesus said the scribe's answer brings him closer to the kingdom, but what's missing? He needs to repent, have faith, and trust in Jesus. And maybe the scribe thought because he understood the commandment that he was in the kingdom. So what we see here is that the Mosaic law was a preparation to Jesus' coming and bringing a new covenant between God and the people. You can't obey the law without love, without a spirit of love. Obedience to the law means nothing to God without love. The religious leaders did not grasp what the scripture meant. They were not focused on knowing the true God of the scripture and just wanted to hold on to their own tradition. So let's understand, we often are mistaken in belief and action because we don't know the scriptures or because we don't trust or believe in the power of God. So what do we do? We must give ourselves over to God. He doesn't want just a part of us. He requires the whole thing. Heart, soul, mind, strength. God must come first in everything we feel, think, and do. To help that, learn and study the Bible. Do what it says. Don't stay on the surface of your Christianity. All right, fourth expression of Jesus' authority is Jesus has authority of David's son, the Messiah. These are verses 35 through 37. So here, I'm going to preface this with uh, Matthew 22, 42, which is kind of the beginning of this uh, dialogue. So in Matthew, uh, Jesus says, what do you think about the Christ? So he's asking the crowds, whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And then we pick it up here in Mark 35. And then he says, well, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself said in the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he a son? Now, talking about the scribes, teachers of the law, they've been raised to learn the scriptures been ordained to teach the scriptures. So Jesus is inferring here that, okay, you guys are really smart, okay? You've studied and taught the scriptures. So how can you miss that I am the Messiah, the son of God that is foretold in the Old Testament, which you study? So the religious believers believe the son of David would be the Messiah, Psalm 89, a man that would be king, but not a savior to the nation. What they did not see is that this same man will also be David's Lord. So here we see that Jesus affirms his deity to the crowd again. What was their reaction? Look at verse 37. And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. Wow. They're going, wow, look at Jesus. I just love his style. He's just so good. They showed no evidence of conviction of sin or a repentant heart. They didn't fall on their faces. So we see that the Messiah came, the religious leaders and the people were looking in the wrong direction. They had an incomplete view of the Messiah and missed him. The scribes were looking for a human king, but Jesus was more than a human king. He is the divine king, the son of God, the king who will save the people from their sins. 
So we have to understand, do we have an incomplete view of Jesus? Some people know that Jesus came to be a teacher and a good example for us to follow, but they fail to see that he came to be our Savior. Others know that he came to be our Savior, but they fail to see that he is their King as well. Or we affirm these truths in our mind that he's Savior and King, but we fail to take them into heart. Our lives become a mess. And what we know to be true about Jesus is replaced with our fears and anxiety. We affirm he has authority, but we live as if there is no king in control. And we alone must fix the problems of ourselves and the world. What do we do? We find peace in Jesus, who is sitting on the throne as king. He is control. Step out, have faith, and trust in his authority. Okay, we're into the last final expression of Jesus' authority, the fifth one. Jesus has the authority beyond the religious leaders. Religious authority beyond religious leaders. This is verses 38 through 44. So after Jesus talks to the scribe, he directs his attention to the crowd, verses 38 to 40. He says, and in his teaching he was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like personal greetings in the marketplace and seats of honor in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive all the more condemnation. So after Jesus talks to the scribe, he directs his attention to the crowd and he warns the crowd about the craftiness and cunning of the scribes. They walk around with all splendor and pomp and circumstance to be noticed for their positions of spiritual leadership. But they do not know God or his son. They are really wolves in sheep's clothing, devouring widows' houses. If you think about it, they're really living their best life now, aren't they? They got everything. But because in the future, Jesus said because they're living their best life now, because in the future Jesus said that they will receive all the more condemnation, which means a fiery hell. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tie in the next section of the widow's coins and beware the scribes. So verses 41 through 44 will read that Jesus sat down opposite the treasury, began watching how the people were putting money into the treasury, how many rich people were putting in large amounts. And a poor widow came and put in two lepta coins, which amounted to a quadrants, which is about a penny. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned and all she had to live on. So he warns a crowd about their craftiness, and the scribes, so the background to this, is the scribes would help distraught widows with their estate planning. They would cheat them out of their husband's legacy telling them they would be serving God by supporting the temple or the scribes' holy work. 
So I believe Jesus is saying this poor widow has nothing left and has nowhere to turn but God. And she is exercising her faith of giving. That's all she has left. So we see that Jesus was saying, don't trust in the hypocrisy of the authority of Jewish leaders because of their outward appearance and actions. Well, they do nothing to teach the people about the truth of God. Instead of looking to the scribes as the authority of scripture and scholars and teachers of the law and truth, look past beyond the external religious outward appearance. Look at their heart of deception and evil wickedness and how far they have wandered from the truth of God and the Holy Scriptures. So we need to understand not all authority is true. Even if the outward appearance looks good and sounds good, be alert to who you listen to. Make sure their teaching lines up with what Jesus teaches. His authority is above all others. So what do you need to do? Listen to Jesus when he speaks in the Bible. Look to him for your true authority. Beware of who or what voice of authority you follow. It could be media, trusted friend, a religion, sometimes our own voice is our own authority. Maybe it's a new spiritual doctrine that sounds appealing. Jesus plus something else. Whatever you come across, bring everything to the standard of God's word. If you have something you're not sure about, bring it to one of the elders. They're charged to watch over your souls. Use them as a resource. If you are off of true north of God's word, but a couple of degrees, and you do not think it necessary to do a course correction, it is just a matter of time before you can be too far gone to come back. So let's wrap this up. So what we have seen in this passage of scripture is a contrast between authority, between the law of Moses and the gospel of Jesus Christ, a battle between obeying the letter of the law or the spirit of the law, which is love. Jesus said this, you have heard it said, do not murder the letter of the law, but I say to you, do not hate in your heart the spirit of the law in love. An illustration. I got one illustration. It comes at the end of the conclusion. So we're great. We saved it. So, letter of the law, spirit of the law. So I'm preparing my sermon. It's getting down to crutch time. Okay? We're just going to talk about the last two days. I'm holed up in our bedroom with a card table. Okay? That's the only place I can go. You can still hear all kinds of noise in the house. So it's a little stressed out. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. I'm trying to put this stuff together. I've got a thought. I'm writing it down. I'm like, man, this is good. I'm writing it down. And then Melissa, my beloved wife, comes in. She knows I'm studying. She knows I'm doing it. But she has to come in and do something. Or she wants to come in and talk to me about something. Love my wife. She has been so supportive during this whole time. She comes in, innocently doing something. I said, can't you see? I'm, I'm doing God's work. I, I've got to get this sermon. To, I'm preaching to people. I've got to get this done. Can you please not interrupt me anymore? I need to get this done. Letter of the law. It was good. It's true. I am doing God's work here. Spirit of the law. Love your wife. As Christ loved the church. Letter, spirit, love. 
So we need to ask ourselves, who is Jesus in our lives? Is he really our source of authority? Is there a weight to his words that cause us to trust and obey him? Or is he an afterthought, a last-minute safety valve, a genie in a bottle to fulfill our wishes? Or is he a hindrance to having fun, to the way you want to live? Does he come in conflict with some of your beliefs and ideas? Do you obey him in some areas and in some areas you push back? There's a lot of things in this chaotic world that can distract us from listening to his authority. Some good, some bad. Let's not look to the world for answers, but to Jesus. Come under the authority of Jesus, the good shepherd. Listen to David's example in Psalm 11.1. In the Lord I take refuge. Again in Psalm 36.7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. For those of you who profess being followers of Jesus Christ, let Jesus' authority cause you to be convicted, cause you to be comforted, changed, called, to cast your cares upon him, to commit your way to him. And to those who love to hear the things of Jesus and like his style of his love and compassion, but have not taken the step of faith to trust him, get below the surface Ask God to give you eyes to see what the Bible says about Jesus. You do not want to be on the wrong side of Jesus' authority, which means judgment. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lastly, let us remember as Christians, when we submit under the authority of Jesus, we have the authority of Jesus that comes from his word. As we are God's ambassadors, we can speak with his authority as we share his word, appealing to the world on behalf of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your comforting authority in our lives that comes through your beloved son, Jesus. Help us to see your love and care for us. Let us know more about you by digging deeper into your word. Let us not look to the world's authority and be swayed by shiny objects that take our focus off of you but turn our focus to Jesus for guidance and hope. Let us not look around anxiously for answers to our troubles. Let our first action be opening the word and standing on your truth. Father, I ask you for those who have not turned to you in repentance and faith, who don't look to your son Jesus as their greatest authority, convict their hearts and call